Good morning. Welcome to Die Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We are reading the entire Bible together, one chapter at a time. I really enjoy this book of Isaiah that we've been going through, but you know what? It's good to take a time out and look at a psalm. You know, the psalms we've been seeing it, they're very they're very similar in a lot of ways to what we're looking at in Isaiah. There's a lot of poetry here in this prophecy and so similarly the poetry of the psalms here you see a lot of connections. Today we're looking at Psalm 26, and this is one of these um, neat little psalms. It's a, one of these short psalms of David, but it's just got these little nuggets in here. The, the one that I really like is in verse 8. Oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Um, it's something that I have said and sung on many an occasion. So let, let's kind of unpack this here and appreciate that verse and all the the rest of them in their context. And joining us today, we've got Pastor Ken Wagner, a returning pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Welcome back, brother. Good to have you back with us. Thank you, AJ. I am honored again to be with you. Thank you for, and you have chosen an outstanding psalm. I mean, I'm not sure there's a bad psalm, to be well, right. honest with you, but but this one is pretty good. This is as good as it gets, because it, it gets you into the very heart of David and how he he simply rejoices and he exults in the mercy of God. I mean, what other what other good news do we want in life? I mean, we can have all sorts of great things, but, but to know that we are in a right relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ— that is the heart and center of my life, and I'm glad you chose Psalm 26. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> these these things are, you know, as they would have it, are very often um, that they find a way of choosing us. Um, <laughs> it just sort of ended up being that right. Psalm 26 is what we were looking at. Then when I was looking at it, like I was saying, I was like, oh, it's this psalm, right? You know, I love this psalm. It's so great. And, uh, and, you're, and you're right, the... The, the psalm, and this will, this will be a good thing for us to talk about today, was when we're going through this, but, you know, it's the question of, you know, our standing in the eyes of others, our, in, in the eyes of the world, and how other people evaluate us, versus God's evaluation, what God has to say about us, and what, what God has decided about us. And, man, when you've got God on your side, when you've got God giving you his declaration of righteousness, come what may, you know? Who can who can be against? What can be against? Paul Paul pens those beautiful words, no doubt about it. But I do have to agree with you. I actually love that part of the liturgy. Aren't we in the, what is it? Um, is it setting four where we do, Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells, and then huh. and then there's a you know I, I, that's that's the response if I remember correctly. We've done it many times but it, it's almost one it's a, it's so appropriate because you're actually in the house of god and you are well yes honoring god for this privilege to be in your this is where i want to be right yeah no I, i'm not sure if it's in um divine service setting four or not where i recall it from is from matins um because you have it in the matins liturgy and it's in um you, you've got like this nice back and forth and it's also there in, um, and this was something that we used a lot back when I was at the seminary in St. Louis. We would use the service of prayer and preaching, which prayer is a really— Prayer and preaching, that bit, yes. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really nice um, service, and you know when you're not doing a communion service, and you know just like the name says, you just want to say some prayers and hear a sermon. It's it's a fantastic and beautiful liturgy. It's very simple, and you have this responsory where the congregation yeah. um, comes in and says. You know, oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. And it's just yeah. when you sing every, that, everyone all together, like you said, in the house of God together, um, that's it's just beautiful. Amen. Amen to that. Well said. All right. Well, before we go ahead and dive into this thing, would you say a prayer for us and for everybody listening? I would be honored. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we indeed give you all thanks and praise for your word. It is a powerful word. It is a word of grace, a word that confronts us with our need, but also assures us of your great love that you have revealed now to the whole world through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. We thank you that in him we have the confidence to hear you speak to us. So, Father in heaven, as we study Psalm 26, we pray for your Spirit's blessing. Open up our hearts. Touch our minds so that we will hear you speak so clearly and understand the great joy and the, and the privilege we have to honor you as our Father. You have called us, you have claimed us, and we are grateful. Father, with thankful hearts, we open up your word. We pray for your blessing in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. Let's take a look at this. And this is one of the shorter psalms, and so I, I do like doing this. We can read the entire thing through once, and that way we kind of have it all mm-hmm. kind of bouncing around in our heads, echoing in our ears, and then we can go through it piece by piece. Sound good? Yeah, sounds great. All right, so let's start from the beginning, keeping in mind again with these Psalms that superscription is actually in the Hebrew text of David. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. And I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence, and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord." All right, so like I was saying, a short psalm, uh, another one of these psalms of David, and it's it's interesting because, I mean, it's one of these that you, you kind of get a sense that there's something going on in David's life, but there's not like a whole lot of detail. The opening few verses, though, give you some sense of what might be going on. You've got these words of uh, perhaps a legal nature, vindicate mm-hmm. me, O Lord, yeah. prove me, O Lord, and try me. Um, what, what, do you, what do you think when you're looking at these first few verses here? Like what, what might David be talking about that's going on in his own life? Yeah, I agree with you 110%. I think David has experienced some kind of an opposition 
you might say a charge or there's a rumor floating around. Maybe maybe it's even uh, a bigger in the a bigger um, insinuation and allegation accusation against him in the context of the of the community. And I can only begin to imagine all the political shenanigans that happen in a court. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we we know some of them from the scriptures, and we know how even his sons would try to plot against him and all those really difficult stories to have to work through. But I I, I think this is kind of a private prayer from mm-hmm. David as he, and I'll, I'll say it very clearly, as he talks to God about all the different things he's experiencing, all the things that he's going through right now. And it's almost as if nobody else is on my side. Father, please, please come to me. Vindicate me. Prove me. Show me again your heart. Help me to know that you are there for me. Because I I think that this, this, if I would put it on an emotional continuum, I would say David is is, uh, deeply disturbed. He, He is profoundly troubled all, all mm-hmm. the way around. I, I don't know if you agree with me on that one, but but it, you know, yeah. that, that very strong claim, right, that vindicate me, God. Right. You know, a lot of times in my in my prayers, I will say, I thank you, Father, or I'll launch it, Lord, give me strength. But very rarely, in fact, I'm not even sure when the last time I've said that <laughs> other, other, I mean, as a heartfelt prayer to my God, right. vindicate me, oh God. It's almost as if the whole world has arrayed themselves against David and and he is just with God. Yeah, that that's a really good point. You know, I, you know, that's a provocative question too. When was the last time that I started a prayer with "Vindicate me, O God"? Right? Vindicate me, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure, but like, it's very, you know, it's interesting when I think back. You know, uh, the last time that I that I would have been praying for, you know, God to judge me, because that, in fact, is the word in Hebrew. Um, you know, like from that root shafat, you know, like to mean to judge. Um, mm-hmm. You know, why why do you appeal to God, God's judgment, right? I mean, like just to think about it, just in life. You know, why do you appeal to the Supreme Court, right? Well, because the Court of Appeals, you know, the State Court of Appeals didn't go your way, right? The the yes. one of the you know the different circuit courts, right? Um, and why do you kick it up to that court? You know, because a lower court. So again, like the only reason why you kick it up to the higher court is because you've been given a bad sentence or, or wrongfully sentenced on a lower court. So that whole yeah. idea of even asking God to judge for you, it's got to mean that because he's facing opposition and people are condemning him. Yes, absolutely. In the world, you know, you know, our, we could, we could get right to it. The, the world, our sinful nature, the devil, they all bring these allegations, accusations. Some of them are legitimate, but in this particular case, David knows that the that the statements that have been brought against him are not true, and I know we'll right. get into that. But one of the things that strikes me, and I'm I am certainly only a Bible student, but when I would read a psalm, when I do read a psalm, I try to get when I get through it. I'm so glad we read the entirety of the psalm here, but I I always try to figure out the not just the context, but what what is David not saying? And I'd like to go on record, AJ, to, to hmm. say, even when David says, "I have walked in my integrity, I have trusted in the Lord without wavering," I do not believe that David understands. He would never assert that he is sinless. David would never acknowledge. Right. He knows he knows full well, and mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a danger for Christians who who read the text. You know that we can put our righteousness right up front. I don't believe that's what 
what David is doing. He knows that he is a sinner, but he also knows that he has been redeemed. He's been set on the He's been put into a new relationship with God, and he's and, and the Lord God has brought him into this saving relationship and put him on a path. So he's forgiven, and, and he is holy in the Lord. He is not sinless. He'd be the first one to acknowledge that. Oh, I mean, all we have to do is go to Psalm 51, and you'll you'll see the depths of his, you know, his confession before God. But right. but nevertheless, there is this sense that Lord, I have followed you, and now the world is against me. And Lord, you're my only hope. You're my only, you're the, you're the only one who can judge my cause. Right. Judge me in righteousness. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, yeah, absolutely. You know, you can't take this stuff out of context, you know, and right. unfortunately too often when people popularly read the Bible, it's sort of like, well, let's just flip it open um, and just kind of pick out a verse. And so we, you know, we get something like verse one, I've walked in integrity, I've trusted in the yeah. Lord without wavering. It, it can sound really arrogant even or, or self-righteous, self -righteous, huh? right? Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh God, I, I want you to judge me because, hey, I've done a pretty good job, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you, right. you know, but, but hang on a second, what's the context? And like we we're saying, if the context is in the midst of false accusations, then when he says, I've walked in, in my integrity, um, he means, you know, I have integrity and I haven't done what they're accusing me of. Yes. Not that yes. I haven't done any sin, right? Or I've like never done anything wrong, but the wrong things that they're accusing me of, I didn't do. Um, you know, like they're, they're saying that I compromised my, my trust in the Lord, that I wavered, right? That's what it says in the second yes. part of verse yes. one there. Um, well, maybe at certain times I have, but in the way that they're talking about, I did not. So, I mean, there's, again, you know, we got to always appreciate that, you know, always doesn't always mean always and never hardly never means never, right? <laughs> to kind of put it that <laughs> exactly, way. Exactly. I understand. Right. So, you know, right. it's, uh, he, to, for him, we got to read it like that. Like, you know, if he, if he's talking about, you know, innocence or righteousness, it's, you know, it's one thing to be righteous or innocent, um, in a particular case, another would be to, to say like, you know, in total. And of course that's not yes, what David's there, getting at. There is, there is nothing wrong with me in the eyes of God. Well, no, wait a minute. David knows much better than that. There's no doubt about it. However, in this particular situation, and we, I can only begin to imagine we do, we do have, we, we can imagine the intrigue in a court or something and people mm -hmm. who are accusing him of, of, uh, perhaps, I don't even know. I mean, anything that I would offer right here would be speculation. But I can, but I can well imagine that that David felt felt the weight of of those allegations against him, of those accusations, and that's where it's it's personal time. It's just quiet time. He he needs that assurance from his heavenly Father that that God has not abandoned him, even though the whole world is arrayed against him. Right. Right. Yeah. No. And, and you're right. You know, if if you try to get too specific, it, it's probably going to get speculative. We do have some things, like you said, from Scripture that give us some insight into maybe when might be an instance when he was being falsely accused. Uh, the the two that jump to mind. I mean, you mentioned one already when his sons turned on him. Yeah. You can you, you imagine that as a part of what they're what they were up to that that was you know a campaign of assassinating his character saying look, look yeah. he's wavering he he's he's lost his way he's not a suitable king anymore you know yeah. maybe they even said that he's been like you know uh, 
you know, conspiring with enemies or with some yes. people who are no good, right? So you can right. imagine that false accusations may have been made by his sons. Um, you also know earlier on in his life that there was a situation where he was a, a loyal general of King Saul, but it seems like he was being accused of conspiracy to commit treason, and that was part of the reason why he had to go on the run um, because people were were persecuting him that way. And so he's at least had a, a few instances in life where people were, were slandering him um, and accusing him of stuff that, at least in those particular instances, he was innocent. I agree. That makes perfect sense to me. And that's the importance, and I say this to all of our listeners and to any reader of the Word of God, that's the importance of slowing down and just considering the context and, and the bigger picture of Scripture. I love the way, you know, we, we always do that. We always talk about interpret Scripture, any particular text in the light of the bigger scriptural theme, the bigger mm-hmm. scriptural truth. You can't, you can't take it away. And, you know, so let us, let us not, um, you know, for example, when, when David uses the word in innocence here, you know, I mm-hmm. want, we're not, we're not quite there, but, but it, it's not as if, you know, there, there is nothing, nothing wrong. There is no reason that I have to acknowledge my sin to God in the context of the sanctuary or the tabernacle here. That, that is not, you know, you can't, you can't go with that. I'm often, you know, you, you do run into people, even, even at this late stage of ministry for me, I always still run into people who, who kind of feel they're, there's nothing wrong. They don't really have to confess to God. They're, they're pretty, they're right with God. You know, God is right with me and I'm right with God. And, oh Lord, sometimes you just, you just need to linger for a few moments on, on our, on our human condition and, don't mm-hmm. don't for a moment. I'm talking to all of our listeners here. Don't for a moment think that you are completely right with God, apart from Jesus Christ. Because on our own, we have nothing to offer in Christ. Right. And that, that's the that's the other thing I was thinking. You know, even though David fully recognizes that he is a sinner, he is fully redeemed because of God's love. And, and brother, I'll probably have to share something. I think when we say sinner and saint, and forgive me, if you want to correct me, you're welcome to do that. Some hmm. people get the wrong idea that saint means, well, we've, we've left the sinner kind of part behind, but that's not really what that means. It talks about holy in Jesus Christ. We still remain. We are both and, you know, hmm. both sinner and saint, but I think some people say, well, I once was a sinner. No, I'm a saint. It's like, whoa, slow down there. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, like, you know, of course, I mean, you know, the, the pair comes from the, the phrase, um, I mean, the, the Latin phrase, simul justus et peccator, which is always, or both at the same time, yeah. um, s- justified and sinner. So, I mean, like, you can't, it's not a stage thing where it's like, well, I once, I mean, yeah. there is in the sense of, you know, there a stage of, you know, I once was lost and now I'm found, right? Just thinking about the good shepherd imagery on Sunday. So, I mean, there, yeah, there is a sense where, you know, there, there is a change, right? Um, but even now in our changed state, um, this is just a prelude to what's to come because, you know, I guess you could put it this way. Um, one day we will be um, just saint just justified um before we were just sinners and just that but right now in between we're both at the same time we're not in either we're not in either category holy right 
Well said. I agree 100%. But it's interesting how I think the world, a lot of, I even say a lot of Christians misunderstand that, you know. And that, that's an important concept to, to bring out. I think David captures it here in many respects, but he also recognizes that he, he, wants, he wants to be in the Father's grace. He needs to be in the Father's grace, always. That's, that's where he desires to be. He is, he is definitely committed, yeah. committed himself to that, to that yeah. righteous scene well, only in, in God's grace. Yeah, no, you're bringing out something that's helpful here because, I mean, in this psalm, as we were seeing here, I mean, there's a very strong dualism here. You've you've got, on the one hand, you've got the evildoers. On the other hand, you've got the great assembly of the righteous. You know, on the one hand, you got people with evil devices and hands are full of bribes, right? On the other yep. side, you've got people um, who stand before the Lord in integrity without wavering. So, I mean, there is a very strong, like there's two sides of this, right? But mm-hmm. it, it's like we were just saying, you, you can't you can't think to yourself like, oh, well, one side's like sinners and one side's just people who are just holy all the time. I mean, yeah. really, it's, it's one side that's sinners and one side that's justified sinners. Um, that's, right. that's how it is right now. Amen. Well, let's consider just a, a couple other things here um, in the in this first few verses. You know, so we were reading this. You know, vindicate me, O Lord. I've walked in my integrity. I've trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord. Try me. Test my heart, my mind. For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. You read that, and and that's it's there's really it's really interesting. It's very poetic um, in the same way that a lot of the poems. Um, you know, not long ago we looked at Isaiah and how. In between chapters two and four, you've got a little poem there, and there's like a, a frame. You've got a beginning section that's like a messianic vision of glory. You've got a long section about law and judgment. And then back in chapter four, then it concludes with, again, a messianic vision of, of peace and protection and, and prosperity and holiness. So in the same way, here in Psalm 26, you've got this statement about not wavering, um, asking God for vindication, um, mention of steadfast love, and what do you have at the end of the psalm, right? In verses 11 and 12, but as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. So, I mean, like, there's this kind of, like, mirroring here, and, um, you know, like, for yeah. those of us who study this stuff, we call that chiasm, because it's like, mm-hmm. it's like the Greek letter chi, like an X, a crisscross, you, you start with this stuff that's talking about walking without wavering, you know, your foot being on solid ground. And, hey, look at that. That's exactly what you get at the very end there in verse 12. You're on level ground. Um, you talk about um, uh, trusting in the Lord. Um, and then at the end here, you've got, you know, blessing the Lord, uh, mentioning God's name again. Um, and, and so there's there's a little bit of these um, th- these parallels here that you see. And, and I think that what it, what it shows, what it highlights is, you know, where are you walking? You know, like the, 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 the idea of where are your feet? Where do you stand? Mm-hmm. You know, what is yeah. your standing ends up being kind of the hinge of like the whole psalm. You know, like where, where are you? Are you going to go here? Are you going to go there? Are you on firm, a firm foundation or are, are right. you on shaky ground? That's kind of the, the key metaphor of the whole thing. You're not kidding. And I, I will just 
do a quick illustration. A couple of months ago, I twisted my ankle. I turned my ankle on mm. a little bit of a Oof. uneven part of our driveway, and oh my goodness, it did it hurt and all yeah. sorts of things. But but I I I thought about that metaphor, and when when it came up again, my foot stands on level ground, and that's that's a pretty pretty important insight all the way around. There's only one place to stand. If you have a solid foundation, if you have a, a firm foundation before, in, but below you, so to speak, and of course for us, that's the grace of God in Jesus Christ, then you're right. on the level ground. But, but anything else, it's, it's, it's moving, it's shaking, it's, oh, and then all the disaster comes in because I was really in a lot of pain. I sound like a, right. like a real wimp here, and I was. To be perfectly honest with you, but but, well, but I thought about that, you know, yeah. we need to stand on that level ground. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, no. I mean, you take you you take your feet for granted, but man, something goes wrong with them, and it's like you just can't do anything right if you can't just stand up straight, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just like you were saying, and uh, of course, you know, I think of the hymn right on Christ the solid rock I stand. Mm-hmm. All other ground is sinking sand. Right? Sinking just sand. just like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, so, so you have this this imagery of of walking and being on solid ground, and your footsteps being established, um, and and that also um, that 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 to me it reminds me of Psalm one, which is just the psalm that opens yeah. up like the entire psalter, the whole you know all the books of the psalms, and what's it say? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And so th- there again, it's the same kind of imagery, like where are your feet planted? Where are you? Where do you stand? How are you walking? Um, it's the same kind of stuff, the same kind of move. Um, and so similarly here in Psalm 26, it starts off with how are you walking? How do you stand? And then, hey, look at that in verse four, sitting. I do not sit with men of falsehood, right, right, nor do indeed. I consort with hypocrites. I think there's a lot of connections between Psalm 1 and Psalm 26, and I was just remarking on, you know, to myself even earlier reading it, remarking on how how well uh, the Psalms kind of collectively cover all these important themes. And, you know, that that's where it opens with Psalm 1 there, too. But, but I guess I keep coming back to the, to the idea, the, the simple truth that, that David recognizes that I want to be—I want to be in Your presence, Lord. I do not want to go in the in the way of the world. I do not sit with all those different things. Not in the assembly. Not sit with the wicked, and so on. He simply wants to be in the very presence of God, and that's what right. it seems to me. That's what's going to lead us right into this to the tabernacle image or the. What we what we started on the habitation of your house to be in the very house of God that is where David understood he was being taught by God he was he was um, he was grounded he was rooted in in the truth of God's word no doubt about it exactly well hey we gotta hold that thought uh, we need to go into a short break here but everybody hang with us we're looking at Psalm 26 here on Thy Strong Word and we'll be right back.
When communism fell in the former Soviet Union, it was an exciting time to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people who had long been denied the faith. This is Reverend Robert Ron, founder of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. It's been 25 years since LHF began translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith for the people of Russia. With your help, LHF continues our work of introducing new believers to the Savior in nearly 90 countries. Visit lhfmissions.org to learn more. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Psalm 26 today, and we're joined by our guest, Pastor Ken Wagner, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we were just talking about how Psalm 26 is very similar in a certain respect to Psalm 1 in that it has the same image, the same metaphor of walking and standing and and sitting. And, you know, where are you? Are you in the assembly of the evildoers or are you in the assembly of of the Lord in the great assembly in in the church, right? And so we were just looking at uh, verses four and five. And so we just read verse four. He moves from walking to sitting. I do not sit with men of falsehood. I do not consort with hypocrites. Um, and, th- and that's a really interesting uh, phrase right there. You know, the word hypocrite, it's, um, it, it's one that occurs kind of a lot, I think, in the Bible, but it, it its meaning is a little bit different in each context. Like in the New Testament, when our Lord talks about hypocrites, he's he's talking about people who, you know, it's interesting. We, we use the phrase to kind of mean what? Like somebody who kind of says one thing and does another. Um, yeah. Jesus wasn't quite using the word that way. He was actually using the word to describe people who really did do lots of fantastic, great, pious-looking things. Um, his point, though, was that these were people who were doing it for the wrong reason. They weren't doing it to please God. They were doing it to pr- to please people, to impress yeah. people. You know, they're, they were like uh, actors who are trying to play um, a part to please the audience. So in, in that context, hypocrite means something like, you know, people pleasing or p- trying to impress people or, you know, keep up impressions. Here, the word hypocrite in the Hebrew it's a it's a word that means something like concealing oneself or hiding mm-hmm. oneself, and so it's hypocritical in the sense of um, we're we're you know pretending you know when we're out in public and we're out talking to people like you know oh, yeah yeah sure we're all good and you know we're on the up and up and everything's above board, but uh, behind closed doors it's another story. There's there's a hidden agenda. So a little bit of a different nuance here, right? Indeed, and, you know, that connects with the falsehood imagery and the evil doers mm-hmm. and the wicked. Um, it is it is an opposition. It is a deliberate disobedience to God, it seems to me. And I keep coming back to the contrast there. Not Again, I have to say it, not that David is perfect. He would be the first one to acknowledge it. But in this particular context, he understands and he, he is asking God to prove him, kind of to maybe maybe to convict him, um, and and for for God to open up his heart, so to speak, for David's heart, and for David to to see himself first and foremost in grace, but also am I am I really pursuing? Am I seeking what what the Lord wants me to be, wants me to do, all the way around? But but there you know, and there there were those kind of. I would kind of put it on the opposite 
side of the fence, so to speak. There were those men, um, and David recognized them. That, that's what you were just describing, men of falsehood, uh, hypocrites, the assembly right. of the evildoers. I think they were there, there was a, um, a deliberate disobedience to God. You know, I, I always wondered, brother, again, I'm always open to correction, but, but I, I've, I've struggled with, with the idea of, you know, in 1 Corinthians 5, I think it's chapter 5, that's when, when Paul talks about that sexually immoral man, if I'm incorrect on mm. that. But, but do you remember when, when Paul right. says, you know, remove him, let him be mm-hmm. removed, basically. Right. You know, there's a, there's a part where um, that behavior, that deliberate disobedience, and I think it was deliberate. It was kind of um, saying one thing, but, but living in a completely different way. But, but Paul recognized that, that, that these um, behaviors, this, this, it's fundamentally an attitude at heart, but, but that, can, that can really um, trap, it can, can, can ensnare God's people. And then I, I think that's what David's kind of getting at. He says, I look at that uh, humbly, humbly he does, and he recognizes, I can't go there. I don't want to go there. No. Right. It's only by the Spirit. I'd be the first one to acknowledge it. It's that's by the right. Spirit that's of God right. that he doesn't. But, but uh, there's, yeah, no, there's th- a, uh, a leavening yeah. effect, isn't there? Yeah, no, I, th- I, yeah, I totally think you're on the right track. There's a, there's a difference between, you know, we, we fall into sin and we, you know, by the Spirit's power have been sincerely moved to repentance, but because we are still in the sinful flesh, we still have our old fallen nature, you know, we, we fall into these things um, from time to time. You know, I'm thinking about like in Numbers, there's always the the, the goat offering, the, the sin offering, right? Because it's just, there's always this acknowledgement that we unintentionally sin, we unintentionally sin all day in ways that we don't even, we're not even aware of, you know, mm-hmm. and that happens to us, right? That we, we talk to somebody and only later we figure out, oh man, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. What a terrible thing that I, I did. Or, you know, I mean, it's only after the fact. So there's a, there's a big difference between that sort of sinning and this sort of deliberate calculated sinning, right? Like, hey, let's yeah. sit down and plan the sin here. You know, like I mean, that's it's a different level, and so David here can say, like, okay, yeah, you know, I've done a lot of things, um, and, and a lot of them I'm ashamed of, but I didn't sit down with these guys and, and join their conspiracy. No, I, I wasn't up to like this plot here. I didn't do that, um, and and so that's why he, in verse five there he says, you know, I hate the assembly of evildoers and I will not sit with the wicked. It has, it's very similar to what you were just mentioning here. Um, You're mentioning first Corinthians five. And I I do think that is the right, um, the right reference where there's this, there's this whole, um, you know, because there is this leavening effect, as you were saying, you need to separate, there needs to be some kind of separation. And if you've got that going on in the church, in the case of Paul's um, counsel to the Corinthians, he's telling him to, 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 to expel this guy, uh, because if you if you leave it there, everyone's going to be doing this pretty soon. It's not because like he is a, you know, a lesser being who you know deserves God's grace less, not because of that at all. But Correct. but because you can't you can't be engaging this. You've got to separate yourself from that kind of deliberate sinning. And so similarly here, the word hate here, you know, does not mean. Um, oh, like, you know, I can't, those guys are terrible and they're lousy yeah, human right. beings and I hope they die. I mean, that, that's not right, what the right. Hebrew word 
means. It, it's a word that means um, there's a kind of distancing. Like, you know, I've distanced yeah. myself from them. I'm not, I'm not on friendly terms with these guys. I'm not hanging out with them. I'm not, um, I'm not going to be part of that. I, I am very clearly making it, uh, making a distinction. And I'm going to be on the other side of this line or this fence, like you mentioned before. Um, the, the word hate is kind of the opposite of uh, making an ally of something or, you know, Correct. making, uh, am, yeah, putting yourself in alliance. I am with you 100%. And even I think that's where the Lord Jesus uses that, you know, that terminology, anyone who does not hate his, his mother and father and so on. And that's always, I mean, every time, you know, that comes right. up, I think, it, I think it came up fairly recently. We're in the it did. Cycle. Um, every time people say, well, you know, I never hated my mother, I mean, you know, I, but no, no, it's not. It's not like this emotional passion, white hot. Right. It it's more of a. Um, I align. I align by the grace of God. I am. I align with Jesus. Or in David's case, you know, I align. I align with, with, with the very truth of God, with the Word of God, with the ways of God, there too. But, but the others, there are those who are who are going in a different direction, and I distance myself from it. I think, you know, right. but, but, but I will say the Hebrew, you know, that hate, it, it opens up kind of a, it, it's not just, well, I'll, I'll uh, mosey on over there and see, what's, see what they're doing. And No, no, there, there must be a recognition this is fundamentally opposed to the Creator's God's way. Right. Um, yeah, I'll, yeah. I, I, I love that language. I love the imagery, too. Yeah, and that's a really good, um, yeah, mentioning the gospel um, of what our Lord says there, right? Because, I mean, he says it elsewhere, too, where he says, you know, I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. And, you know, he, he mentions these different kinds of divisions, and, you know, son will be against father and mother against daughter and so on and so forth. The, the idea being that if you're going to follow him, you have to follow him even if your own family rejects him, right? Amen. Even if your own family says, uh, no, I don't think so. Like this whole Messiah thing, that's not for us. This is what we believe. I mean, he's saying like, you, you've got to be willing to say, you know what? Like if, if you force me to pick sides, I'm picking Jesus's side, even if it means I'm not on your side, you know, and it's, right. it has nothing to do with any lack of love or respect for our family members, not at all. It's this, like you were saying, it's this, it's this language and verbiage of alignment of, of ultimate allegiance, you know, like, Hey, if you're, if you're going to force me to pick, I know who I'm united to, who I'm allied with more than anyone. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. And, and I always think, and again, correct me if I'm, if you think I'm wrong, but David, David is not really talking about well, let me let me state it positively. I mean, I think these are individuals, even within the community, and maybe, maybe with within his bigger court structure. Hmm. Uh, but but it's not it's not like you know the Philistines or uh, you know right. somebody like that. I, I I think these are even in the context of the community of Israel. But there are hmm. those, and we know you know they were there. We know the stories how mm -hmm. um, they would they would seek idolatry, they would walk in, in pagan ways, there's, you know, there's all sorts, and of course, look what happens to his son, Solomon, when, yeah, 
He right, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, just I mean, again, like you know, in our context here, you know, we're talking about these false charges being brought against him. I mean, you know, not again by by like the Philistines or something, right? But by people like within yeah. Israel, and of course, we know. I mean, we have we have architectural evidence of the thing, right? You you see, like you know, you've you've got carvings and um, you know, actually like these inscriptions that were found like in Judah that would be from like ancient judah and they were worshiping right alongside the true god yahweh they were worshiping foreign gods so yeah. there was a mixed it, it was a mixed picture um even then it's not as if you know under david there was no idolatry at all and everyone was walking in the way of the lord like, yes, in the way yes indeed well said yeah well. human beings are are human beings and so i, I think i think you're right he is talking about you know, these evildoers and wicked, I mean, probably the, the ones he's being accused of being in cahoots with there in Judah. Um, and, and the thing that's striking about it, you, you've got this language of, okay, I'm just, dis- I've distanced myself. I'm not, I don't sit down with those guys. I don't hang out with those guys. Um, you know, like, so that kind of language here, like I'm not on the same page with them, but think about it, how that line is meant to contrast then with that verse yeah. I was reading at the very beginning in verse eight, Oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. So if that's on the other side of it, we got to appreciate too that the Hebrew word for love right here does not simply mean like, oh, I just I love this church. This church is so pretty. I just yeah. I, I love it. It's that this has the best stained glass. You know what? And maybe that's true. And you know, God gives us beauty and eyes to behold it. Um, so that we can in, enjoy it, right? Um, and certainly there's some things to be said for that. But this is talking again about the idea of alignment and saying like, I am not aligned with the assembly of the wicked, but I am with the habitation of God. And, and think about that then. So when you're you know singing or chanting this or, or you're just reading this, um, in the fellowship of the faithful there, and you say, I love the habitation of your house, you are implicitly saying, and I hate the assembly of the wicked. You, I mean, it is a, it's a moment of yeah. allegiance. You're saying, God, my allegiance belongs to you here. This house is the place where I ultimately see my own identity. This is the place that shapes the way I look at the world and, and uh, just oversees like my conduct and my words in my mind and not that other thing there. Yes. Well said. I, that is just perfect. Absolutely perfect. I am, I am devoted. I, you know, that, I think that word love, we, we tend to, and this isn't hate, we, we tend to put it in too much of an, of an emotional context. And the, right. I understand that emotions are real and so on, right. but, but it's, it's much more than, than just, oh, it, it feels good to be here. No, this is where I belong. Why? Because right. he is my creator. He is my maker. He is my redeemer. He is the one who has brought me into this relationship of forgiveness. And, you know, we, we didn't even get to it, but like verse 7 and so on. What, what do you do when you come into the presence of God? What do you do when you come into the tabernacle? David, David says, um, I, I honor God. I, I celebrate his love. I proclaim thanksgiving aloud. It's not just kind of a, a quiet sitting in the church pew. It is, it is a, 
a full-throated, I think that was right, one of the right. words that, uh, that Martin Franzman liked, you know, that, you know, we, <laughs> what is it, remember the end of the, of uh, thy strong word, give us right. notes that, whatever the, whatever the language is off the top of my head, I can't, but you know, it's, it's, it's a sense that I am, I have been redeemed and I'll, I want to proclaim that I want to tell the wondrous deeds of God. So this this is um this is about devotion. This is about the allegiance and it's it's all by grace. We've got that. I got that. I has, I fully affirm that. But but for David, this is where I want to be. And you know, I think I think our listeners can can appreciate that too. When you when you come into church, brothers and sisters, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, I I want you to to understand you come into the presence of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who seeks you, has sought you in the past, has brought you into the saving relationship, and now you stand forgiven. That That's like such good news in a world that is completely um, guilt-ridden. AJ, I say that a little bit provocatively, but we live in a world where everybody wants to point out everybody's guilt. We're, right. we're always doing that, but but for believers, for those who are in Christ, we come into the house of God and we hear that forgiveness. And I, I'd written down to you know the the idea that David knows he's in the comforting presence of God's sanctuary, and, right. and that that must have filled his heart with a with a great sense of joy. And so then we come right back, and I'll stop there. But but the idea of vindicating it's almost as if God is vindicating him. It's just in the words that David is is writing here, the words that he's speaking, he's recognizing the vindication of God. And I say this, you know, we are vindicated. We are vindicated every time we come in, we hear that absolution. We're vindicated, mm-hmm. not not because of what we have done, but because there's one who, who stands in our place for us. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and and we were saying you know at the at the beginning too. Like, this is a psalm that you use in the context of worship, and so um, it's certainly you, you want you want to make that connection. But it's what happens in worship. It's the divine service because of what God is doing as He serves us, right? Um, and, and so that, that's certainly the connection there. And um, you know, just but not to lose it. The other thing that you were just saying too, you know. That yeah, the, this word love—it's talking about you know allegiance, alignment. But of of course, it, while it while it's not, I guess, the emotional side at the forefront, it's it's still there, right? Like you, re- you referenced um, you know, our favorite hymn here, "Thy strong word," right? You know, give us throats yes. that uh, shout the shout, hope that fills shout, us, right? It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's shout, right? And so it's like, yeah, you know, like there's there's going to be emotion here. Of course, there is. You know, if you mean if you're gonna you know, take up your cross and follow Christ, I, I imagine you're going to do so with a lot of emotion. Um, I mean, you know, if we're going to be aligned with the house of God over and against the rest of the world, I'm I'm betting that that's going to be an emotional thing. And so, of course, the emotions are going to be there. Um, of course, you know, David has got to be, there's got to be a mixture of like just angst and joy and confidence and a peace. And so there's a lot of these emotional things here. Um, but it's not all based on that or, or, or even even focusing on those things, really. And as you consider, you know, what does it mean to be in an alignment, you know, to you know, be on this side and not the other side? You know, this is this is what we talk about in the redeeming work of Christ. You know, when Luther talks about the second article of the creed, 
you know, he's talking about, you know, I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord because he's become my Lord. He, he took me and he made me um, his own. You know, he made himself my Lord because before my Lord was sin, death, and the devil. Yeah. Um, and so when we talk about, you know, I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. Um, certainly on one level, that's that's David saying, hey, um, you know, when I'm when I'm in the temple, I'm, I'm not doing that hypocritically. You know, this isn't like Isaiah chapter right. two, where, you know, hands are lifted up in prayer, but their hands full of blood. You know, he's like, yeah. hey, when I wash my hands to, to serve in the temple, I'm doing that with a clear conscience. So, I mean, that's a kind of level one. But but level two is what what's there in the worship in the divine service is the thing that acquits us and changes our alignment. That That's Jesus coming and saying, you know, I loved you even when you were my enemy. I'm going to make you my own by by what's happening. And there's this... um. I, I learned this. This is something I learned actually today when I was doing a little bit more reading here, that there's an old tradition apparently that goes as far back as um, some, I think, I think I read it was like a Cyril of Alexandria or um, may have, it may have been like Chrysostom uh, from now I'm forgetting which of the two it was, but um, you know, one of these actually, you know, I think it was, uh, no, 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 it was, um, it was Cyril. Yeah, that's right. It was Cyril, not of Alexandria, but Cyril of Jerusalem. But there's this old tradition of the pastor or the priest saying those words, I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord, uh, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds uh, of saying those things as he's actually washing his hands and preparing to oh, wow. celebrate the Lord's Supper, the, Lord's the Supper. Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Yes. I didn't know that. You know, mm-hmm. and you think about it, I mean, it's just, it's perfect, right? I mean... When, when we're proclaiming Thanksgiving aloud, what's Thanksgiving mean? That's Eucharist. That's Lord of uh, that's yeah. Lord's Supper. Telling all your wondrous deeds. We sometimes say this in our worship. Um, I, I don't remember which uh, divine service setting it is, but um, in one, in at least one of them, we say, "As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes." Until He comes. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So, oh, so these verses so really wonderful. come true in in the divine liturgy. Wonderful insights all the way around. Something that um, you know, I throw out because I I believe this is this is heart and part and parcel, the heart of who I am. Um, and it's it's sort of like a, I've been floating this idea around, and I I'm, I've learned from so many other people. I'm so blessed, but but I always think exchange first. It's kind of like a, a little aphorism for me here. Always think exchange first. What Jesus Christ takes from me, and then what He gives me. You know, and I, you know, there's there's that rhythm, that that great exchange that uh, Luther would talk about, and you know the the joyful exchange. It seems to me, I think that's the proper translation. But but I have to I have to come back to exchange what Jesus Christ takes from me. I I don't even have to. I, I can't give it to him on my own because that's that's mm-hmm. I'm not attuned to that, but by his grace he takes it from me, and it's in this act of repentance, confession, but but then what he gives me is so important. So um, I I kind of take a look, listen to David going on that, you know that that's why he can say I love the habitation of your house. I love being in your house because. God, you've taken away my sin, 
and you have given right. me this righteous standing. That's so right. That's 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 why I can walk around. I mean, exactly. Uh, I I have no right. I have no right that, to that's celebrate right. the Lord's Supper on my own. But Mm-mm. forgiven in Jesus Christ, I am His servant. I am His His hands. Right. Mouth at that particular time. But wow, that's, those are great insights, aren't they? And they come they come from yep. the Book of Psalms. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, just to that word glory, right? I mean, glory is so often used, like, you know, speaking of Isaiah, right, as a word of judgment, you know, God's glory shows up. Uh-oh, I mean, that's that's bad. For, I mean, God's glory has come to burn sinners. You know, the only reason why we can love the place of God's glory is because, like you said, he's made that exchange and he's He's made us clean. We only have a, a couple minutes here, but I, I want to focus on that, the other side of that exchange, you know, the idea that, we receive Christ's righteousness and we have Christ's righteousness in us because, you know, you've got this uh, psalm being sung by David, but we should consider how this psalm just is perfect and made complete on the lips of the true King David, our Lord Jesus, because so much of this psalm, you can imagine our Lord saying it himself. Let me read the rest of the psalm here. We got through verse eight. I'll just read the last bit here. And I just, by way of conclusion, maybe if we could consider, you know, how how it makes sense for Jesus to say these words. So here's, here's verse nine. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are evil devices, and whose hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity, redeem me, and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. Um, Certainly words that applied to David and what he was going through, but words that I think our Lord could have said himself, really just to bring out the full beauty of them with only like a minute left here. Your thoughts on that? I'm right with you, brother, in terms of, I mean, this is like a picture of the crucifixion, the the sinful men who, the bloodthirsty men, um, you know, full of bribes. Oh my goodness. It's like, that this is the this is the gospel story, and, mm-hmm. and you can just picture the Lord Jesus almost praying this. And and you know I've often yeah. thought we don't. You, you, gee, the Lord must have have like prayed the whole way, well, yeah. throughout all of the ordeal. But but then you know like eleven and twelve, um, yeah. Redeem yeah. me, redeem me. Mm-hmm. You know into your hands I commit myself. Be gracious to me. And there's that that Father's declaration that the Son has paid the full price for for all this, you know, this bloodthirstiness, the evil devices, the falsehoods, the hypocrites, the evil all the all that has been washed away in the in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then and so I, I would say it not only does it apply to David, I'll make it quick here, but but when when you come to verse twelve, it's almost as if the resurrection confirms exactly what God had promised to bring mm-hmm. about. His That's right. Yeah, certainly the Lord stood on level ground, vindicated, redeemed, um, raised to life, wow. the life that we will share in through baptism. Amen. We are all out of time. Thank you so much. Be- beautiful, beautiful psalm, and just uh, so great just being able to savor it here. Thank you so much, brother. Looking forward to Thank next time you. we have you on. My privilege and my honor. I look forward to the next time. God bless you, brother. 
Thank you, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor Ken Wagner, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Thank you for joining us today. And we're going to keep going through Isaiah with, with a few psalms sprinkled in here and there. We thank our producers at the LCMS Office of National Mission and our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Check them out at lhfmissions.org. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Until next time, peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.